you know, he's a 200-foot player. He plays both sides of the puck really well. Uh, he can play in the middle for you, play in the wall. I think he he does an awful lot that people don't see in terms of uh, making sure, you know, that we have three guys back. Um, he reads the play so well. He's smart. He's got good hands. He just There's a lot of little things in his game when you watch, like the way he cuts guys off on the forecheck, the way he holds guys up off face-offs. Um, he does an awful lot of little things that add up to an awful lot of big things. And I think the biggest thing for us, you know, I really felt like at the end of last year, he was, him and Gio were tired. And uh, we've got to make sure, you know, through the course of this season that, you know, we're able to keep him and Gio a little bit fresher. Um, but he, he means a lot to us. And, um, you know, he's, he's full marks for being a complete player. I know that that might be the second time that you're hearing that clip, and I know that it was played last hour on Hockey Central at noon, but I think it's worth revisiting. That's Flames associate coach Jeff Ward uh, with us last night on the postgame show as an assistant coach comes and joins us after every game at home and was talking about Elias Lindholm, who was outstanding last night. Nine individual shot attempts. He was named the hardest-working flame by Labardius. Uh, he sealed the game with an empty netter in his fourth of the year, and... We had a fun conversation when talking about Elias Lindholm yesterday and, and what the best path forward for him is on this team, what the best way is to use him, and how they can use him best to make the team better. And And I thought it was uh, worth revisiting that conversation, Mr. Nault. And th- that conversation is, is Lindholm better suited as the right wing on the top line, or is it at center on a different line? And I bring this up not because I think the Flames are in trouble or in need of an adjustment or anything like that. It's more because Lindholm has had such a great start to the season now into year two with the Calgary Flames he continues to show just how savvy an acquisition this was and how important he's going to be going forward and how good that contract looks right now and I love the conversation I think that there are valid points on both sides of whether or not you continue using Lindholm as the number one right winger with Gaudreau and Monaghan, or whether or not you think about moving to center, which has been teased by the coach, which has been teased by the general manager, but has never been put into practice on a long-term basis. Here's where I fall in on the conversation, and I'm curious as to where you are, Will. Where, where I am, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see them give it a try. And it doesn't even necessarily mean they have to do it on a full-time basis. I'm not saying that going forward they have to every night have Lindholm as one of their four centers. But for at least a stretch of time at some point this season, I think there's some value in seeing what you've got with him there. I think there's some value in seeing what Gaudreau and Monaghan are without him there. And I think there's some value in seeing if you can make a different look and switch things up because at some point in a playoff series, especially if the Flames are hoping to go deep and are going to go deep, they might have to show a team different looks. And that's why I think having the ability and having a little bit of a track record in important games with Lindholm there, at least you know whether or not you can go to that in a playoff series. So I'd I'd like to see that for a 9- or 10-game stretch. I'd like to see that for more than 20 minutes in a hockey game. That's where I am at this point because I think there are some really interesting options that could open up for you if it were to be successful. But where are you on the conversation of Elias Lindholm and potentially playing center? Well, I think it all kind of relates to what we've talked about the last couple of days, and that is, you know, what does your team look like down the middle? Because 
you know, again, I, I don't know where the team is on Mark Jankowski long term. We've talked about him and a potential trade out of this team. We talk about Sam Bennett and is that door closed to play center? And the reason I ask that is because I'm a little bit with you. I would like to see it for an extended point of time. The only problem is, does this team have combinations to make up for the loss on that top line? I.e., mm-hmm. is there a winger to play with Monaghan and Gaudreau? Because I think, like many coaches across the NHL, Bill Peters is a fan of pairings. And I think a perfect pairing on your second line scoring line that would no longer, in my opinion, be relied on to be the, the shutdown line or the line that plays against the other team's top line you can create more mismatch if you're able to bump Michael Backlund down to number three center and you have Der- Derek Ryan playing as your number four center and I think the two pairings you could have on your two scoring lines would be Gaudreau Monahan and Lindholm and Kachuk and yeah. again I, I don't know if how this roster is constructed right now is there a natural fit to not have a massive drop off on that top line I'm not confident there is, and I know that's maybe contradicting to some because we have talked about this team's depth on the wings, but I don't know if you're moving some of that depth from the wing to go down the middle, all of a sudden, what does that wing look like? And and I don't know if there's a long-term answer there, and I think that's part of the reason, Pat, this coaching staff has been hesitant to do it for a long period of time. Yeah, that's a fair read. I really do. I think that the, the hesitancy to doing that is because – they don't know if there is somebody else that can hang with Gaudreau and Monaghan on that line and, and to be able to complement them. And I guess I guess what it all comes down to is can you be comfortable with just those two as a pairing and not having a guy like Lindholm, who is the most complete player of the three, I don't think there's any doubt about it, are they comfortable with not having him there and just going with those two? And And the funny thing is, a lot of coaches are about those pairs, and you can understand how that that logic works. But we don't know what Lind. We we've never really seen Lindholm for an extended period of time work down the middle and and actually get a view as to what he and Kachuk might be, or he and somebody else might be. Like I think in theory, the the concept works really well. In theory, that would allow you to have two scoring lines. It would allow you to make a pairing of Backland and Frolik as your true shutdown line, and you could be less worried about them as offensive contributors. You could use them in a more defensively oriented role, and then you could use a Lindholm line and a Monaghan line more in a scoring role. Like, in theory, it seems to make a lot of sense, and the actual conversation about it, you're like, huh, yeah, but you've never seen it in practice. And that's why I think it's important to see it, but at the same time, you don't know if it's going to work. Here's what I do know. You mentioned Sam Bennett. I, I am I am pretty much ready to write off on Sam Bennett as a center. I don't think that that is where he fits going forward i think he is a far more effective winger and nothing that i've seen over the last few years and even to begin this year leads me to believe that sam bennett is ready to play center on a regular basis so i don't know if he is an option and i I don't think you're i think you're probably on the same page i know that you and i have you know thought very very similarly of what we've seen from bennett I don't think he's an option down the middle, so I think that you probably put him as a winger going forward, and yeah, you would be looking at whether it's Jankowski, whether it's Ryan. Uh, if you were to move Lindholm to center ice, you'd be talking about one of those two, Ryan or Jankowski being the number four center. Anyway, I, 
I want to see it. I'm interested in seeing. I don't know if that is something that we're ever going to see or at least are going to see in the near future. But I do think there's some real merit in giving it a go at some point because who knows? Maybe you run into a series again. My, my example to Lou and Derek last night was what happens if in the postseason? What if they go up against Colorado? Maybe it's round two. Maybe it's round three. Maybe it's round one. They go up against Colorado this year, and the McKinnon line is eating the Monaghan line for lunch, and they don't have a, they don't have another option to go to. Well, if you have had 10 or 15 successful games of Lindholm playing center, maybe you can switch things up, and maybe that helps you get the Monaghan line away from McKinnon a little bit, and it makes it so the matchup isn't being lost as, as frequently. That's, that's, for me, why I think there's so much merit to it at least giving it a try. And to bring it back full circle, is this maybe where more blame should be on Bill Peters for James Neal not working here? I.e., I just talked about a winger to fit there. Not saying that Neal would have ever worked there because I think his attitude here was was certainly not one where A, he deserved the opportunity or B, was going to benefit from that opportunity. But it's just more of, of kind of that even blame that we've talked about in terms of why it didn't work here with both the GM and the coach because I think last year at some point, and I know it did get tried maybe for a game or it started that way and didn't last, as you talked about, more than a period. But I think that's where you can have the conversation of where it didn't work for Neil on a deeper level, um, i.e. with Bill Peters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the problem is, and this has been my argument all along, because I see – I see the hesitancy of not wanting to put uh, anybody else on that line with Kadro and Monaghan because nobody else has ever worked that well, from Michael Furland to Yuri Hoodler to Joe Colburn. Like, go on on and on down the line oh, yeah. to other guys who have played with Gaudreau and Monaghan. Nobody's worked better than Lindholm. Nobody has been a better fit there, and nobody has elevated those two the way Lindholm has. So if I'm a coach, I'm like, well, I'm not really all that comfortable in taking Lindholm off that line. Look at how well he's played. Uh, so I, I get that, and I get wanting to have a line that you load up like that. Look, Colorado almost got to, to game rather to, to round three of the playoffs. They got to game seven of the second round by, in a lot of ways, and not always, but a lot of the time going with McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen on the same line. And I know that in the playoffs they had different looks and they split Rantanen and McKinnon apart, and that helped them. Whoa, they and split that's them why apart? They were, that? they were joined together? They split them apart? Yeah, they actually had to perform Whoa. a surgery. Uh, it was very controversial, wasn't this, but they got it done. Why didn't this make more headlines? I don't well, the Avalanche kept it very quiet until after wow. the playoffs. That's why you had to be really in deep with the Avalanche. And you tried to sneak stuff. it and sweep it under the rug. Right now, I just absolutely. Now I'm it never. Now happened, I'm going to get you in trouble. But that worked for the Avalanche. Like when they had Ranton and McKinnon playing on different lines. It worked for them, and it helped them win the series against Calgary. And the Flames never had another look they could go to. And I think part of the reason is because they never really tried it during the regular season. And maybe maybe this is not a right-now conversation, Will. Maybe this is a conversation to have when things are a little bit more, you know, not even like they've clinched, but, you know, when it's pretty clear that they're going to the playoffs. Maybe this is an early March after the trade deadline conversation. I don't know. I just think it's an interesting one to monitor going forward as to whether or not they do go down this road because they keep bringing it up, don't they? Like, it's not like we're bringing it up to them on a regular basis. Bill Peters has brought it up two or three different times over the last number of months unsolicited. So I think it's in their head. I'm just curious if when they ever go down that road. Yeah, and we'll have to wait and see if they do. 
Uh, what do we got on the Glenmore Audi fan feedback text line at 960-960? This reads, I'd move Lindholm to 2C. How about Ryan to first line right wing? Then line three could be Bennett, Backlund, and Froelich. Ryan's a better center than uh, than Bennett. What's that? Well, you look at that example, um, Ryan's a way better center than Sam Bennett. Yeah, and I would. Well, that's now he he has Bennett. Yeah. He has Bennett playing the wing, but I sure. still, like, I think back, I, not back when I think Ryan fits very nicely as a 3-4 center on this team. I really do. So he would be the one guy that would be for sure staying in the conversation. Like of Ryan, Bennett, Jankowski, if, if they were to move Lindholm to center at some point, uh, Ryan would be the one guy that would stay. Bennett and Jankowski could be the odd man out for me any time in that, in that conversation when it comes to the, the fourth center. Um, what else we got here? Uh, afternoon, boys. I'd make Lindholm the top line center. Would be Monahan moving to the third line. The only thing is that they need to trade for a top six winner, winger to play with Johnny and Lindholm. Well, the problem there is that Monahan and Gaudreau have played together essentially their entire careers. I don't really know why you would be splitting that apart myself. Um, this, Michael Backlund's way too good to play on the third line with Bennett and others. He's a bona fide second line center, and I think mixing the lines risks losing Backlund as a key part of the lineup. Not worth it to me. Lindholm to right wing on line two is intriguing, though. Send Frolik out. Just need a number one right wing. I don't mind the concept of Lindholm, Backlund, and Kachuk as a line at all, uh, it does beg the question who would then play with Gaudreau and Monaghan. But, you know, I don't know if I agree necessarily that that would diminish the importance of Backlund in the lineup, though, because even if they did move Lindholm to center, Backlund would still be playing extremely important defensive minutes. He would still be taking on the shutdown role every single game. It just would take a little bit of the offensive impetus off him, and they could use him in an extremely defensively slanted role, which I think does play to strength, him and Froelich. So I don't think that it's a, it would diminish the importance of Backlund in the lineup, but uh, that that's just me. This reads, uh, moving Monaghan away from Gaudreau would expose how overrated Monaghan is. Uh, this, would you try Zarnik on the first line for a couple games and move Lindholm to number two center and Backlund to number three? Zarnik shoots right. I mean, we've never really seen Zarnik in a scoring role on this team. It would be interesting. I think he could keep up with them. Except I think for the one he... preseason where he played with Kachuk and Backlund and scored like a hat trick and... That's right. That's right. That was the uh, that was this pat not this past but the year before his first year here, um, and look, I mean, I would like to see him used in a more elevated role at some point just to see again what you had there. Um, so I could see. I think he could keep up. I don't know if he's got the. Oh, I I, I don't believe he's got the same all round impact that Lindholm would have. But I think that if you were to put them in an offensively slanted role, Zarnik would work there. Look, it's all pie in the sky stuff. It's all interesting conversation, but uh, I didn't get an opportunity to talk with Will about it last night. And I know that Lou already played the clip of Jeff Ward. So I thought it was a good way to continue the conversation after hockey central at noon. It's a fun chat. Uh, I don't think that we're going to be seeing Lindholm at center tomorrow. However, uh, sounds like Michael Backlund will be good to go. He missed practice today. Uh, sounds like everything's status quo for tomorrow against the Philadelphia Flyers. Welcome to the program. We are underway on the Steinberg Show. My name is Pat Steinberg. We are live from Cowboys Dance Hall. We are here for the Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. Uh, This is one of our favorite events every single year. 
Go to ericfrancispizzapigout.com for more information. I believe there are still some last-minute tickets available for the Pig Out with all the proceeds going to Kids Sport Calgary, Kids Cancer, Cancer Care, and the Calgary Police Foundation. This is one of the most enjoyable events of the year every year. It happens at Cowboys come 5 o'clock. This place is rammed with celebrities, including Ryan Pinder. Uh, this place is rammed with celebrities starting at 5 o'clock, uh, and then everybody else let in a little bit later on, uh, and you've got hundreds upon hundreds i believe approaching thousands of pizzas in the place and it all goes to a good cause you got some auction items you can buy the pizza boxes uh and all the proceeds from the eric francis pizza pig out to those three great causes kids sport cancer care kids cancer care and the calgary police foundation uh if you're interested in last minute tickets ericfrancispizzapigout.com is the website don't have a whole lot of time left in this segment uh but just a couple of observations from last night. Flames beat the Philadelphia Flyers by a 3-1 score. I really like that third pairing of Shillington Anderson, Will, and I thought for Shillington that was by far his best game ever in the National Hockey League. I thought he was outstanding last night. Didn't play a ton, but I want to say five or six times made really smart and responsible defensive plays. The one thing about Shillington in the games that he's played this year, by and large, he's been fine, but he's been good for one or two defensive mistakes that make a coach slam his head against the glass, and he didn't make any of those last night. I really like that third pairing. I really like Shillington last night. It's funny you said that because we didn't talk about, you know, notes before the show or even discuss this last night in the press box, but I was really impressed by Shillington's game last night. He's becoming a better defender. I think his gap control has has improved massively, Um, and and he was a guy that, yeah, I I thought – um, you know, I I think it's probably bold to say best game in the NHL, but I think it's certainly on that short list because you can't really, um, you know, count more than on one hand of how many games he's had that were that strong. So I think that third pairing is 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 building and almost similar to the conversation we had to start the show about line combinations and getting an extended look. I like that uh, the coaching staff has allowed this to breathe and, and kind of see what they've got before quickly adjusting or like we talked about before the start of the year, having that rotation every like third game. It's nice to see mm-hmm. them get an extended look here. Uh, 800th game for Michael Froelich. He scores 95 seconds in. I thought it was pretty cool when uh, Jeff Ward told us after the game that uh, they got for a league to read out the starting lineup before the game and uh, you know all teams do that differently but a lot of times the coach will read out the starting lineup but for a league in his 800th game to read out the starting lineup card I thought that was really cool and that's that's two really solid games in a row for the 3M line for a league Kachuk Backlund really strong last night Kachuk was uh, extremely solid I know he made the one mistake on the power play but for the most part really solid game for Matthew Kachuk but I thought it was cool to see Froelich score in his 800th game last night. Yeah, and he, along with Mangiapane, I know that was your next point. That's the secondary scoring finally coming to light. And, and it's funny. They needed it. Well, it's funny. We talked about, you know, yesterday about needing that secondary scoring. We played a couple of clips from Froelich saying if we get one bounce or one goal, maybe that'll kind of get guys loose and, and maybe open those floodgates a little bit. I don't know if that's true, but certainly uh, able to build some confidence and, and know that they can contribute and help out the top guys, and it was nice to see. And it always helps if you're a guy like Majapani to get your first of the year off a, a, a fortunate bounce and a bounce that goes your way. It's, it's nice to build that confidence, and yeah, they needed it in a game like that especially. 
Flames and Detroit Red Wings tomorrow, 7 o'clock face-off from the Scotiabank Saddledome as the Red Wings coming off a 5-1 loss in Vancouver last night. Flames coming off a 3-1 win at home to the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, in terms of the lineup, doesn't look like anything's going to change. Michael Backlund did not practice. Mark Jankowski practiced in his place today. Uh, however, Bill Peters saying afterwards, and all the intel I have, just maintenance. Um, I think it was a little sore today. He blocked a shot in the third period, left for seven or eight minutes, came back to finish the game. Uh, he had a lot of trouble getting off the ice, but I think just sore. Uh, if he can if he can play through it, he will play tomorrow. So good chance Michael Backlund is fine and doesn't miss any time, which would mean doesn't look like anything changes. Uh, probably talking about David Riddick getting the start in net once again for the Flames tomorrow. Calgary and the Philadelphia Flyers last night calgary and the detroit red wings tomorrow we're live at the eric francis pizza pig out uh this is what's happening tonight at cowboys tune in mondays from nine till ten in the morning for the eric francis show brought to you by horse racing alberta live thoroughbred racing is back saturdays sundays and holiday mondays at century downs racetrack and casino nine till ten every monday the eric francis show seven games into the season it has not been much of a question who the number one goalie is in this city we'll get some goal observations from Brent Cron around the corner. Steinberg shows underway for Fifth Avenue Auto House. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The Steinberg Show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. The Steinberg Show continues right now. Brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. Steinberg drives a VW from Fifth Avenue. So should you. See them today on Meridian Road, just east of Barlow Trail and south of 16th Avenue Northeast. Patrick Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hi, hi Brent. Did you have FM radio growing up in Winkler, Manitoba? I did, buddy. I lived close to Winnipeg. You guys have kept me on hold for five minutes while I had to listen to you two mud fences talk about loving. I was about to hang up, to be honest with you. are American Hockey League star. Such morons. We need to grow a set of stones here. Well, he sounds like my career, minus the two Stanley Cups. Tire fires, gas cans, the list goes on for you two idiots. But you know what? I do have fun when I do get on. So I have a bunch of other names for you guys, too, that obviously doesn't make it to air. Did any of the current and former NHLers know who you were? Or are they just like, who's this guy that they got off the street to play goal? Everybody every, everybody knew who I was. How could you forget a first-round bust? Exactly. That was high-level drive-by stuff right there. I give you credit for that. Yeah. Now, what is it uh, with you and Will Malt? Well, it's just he sucks. (laughs) There it is. Fair enough. It's just simple. Oh, how long have you been holding on to that one? That's uh, that's breaking me down into the fetal position right now. (laughs) And that is your NHL goaltending analyst. With you two slugs, I'll tell you what, I... It's just nice to be able to feel important carrying the show for 20 minutes. That's all I got to say. Yeah, you carried us both on your back. Good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Bye, Kron. Suck it, Will. <laughs> I love that we just keep adding to the montage. It's already the longest montage in the history of radio, and we keep adding on to it. Uh, of course, that's the one and only intro for Brent Cron, our NHL goaltending analyst who joins us this afternoon. Hello, Croner. How are you? He added to the montage. He did something. That is awesome. I love it. 
Good little, good little addition right at the end. I like it. The, uh, the the suck it will right at the end might be uh, my favorite drop of all time from you. Uh, how are you, pal? What's going on? <laughs> I'm on a day off today. Very few. I know how hard I worked. I took a day off today. My parents are in town. We're going for a nice lunch. And I took time out of my day to talk to you two bozos. So that's where I'm at right now. You must be out with your folks because you just call us bozos and nothing else. Like that's about exactly. as well, that's I'm, about I'm, as uh, cutting as you're going to get with your folks around. <laughs> I know. I told Will I'm sitting with my parents, and so he was he was lighting me up, and I couldn't do anything about it <laughs> except take notes and get him back <laughs> at a later date. That's good. That's good. And you make your uh, triumphant return to uh, Boomer in the morning next week. We look forward to that. So I figured, well, if you're going back to mornings, we might as well grab you for a day today to uh, chat some goaltending. Um, what uh, what have your what have your thoughts been? We, the last time we talked two weeks ago, you're like, okay, they should roll David Riddick. Use him as the number one goalie. Be the guy. Give him 60 starts. Well, he started six of seven to start the season. You know what, and he already screwed up the rotation, too, with getting that shutout against Vancouver. He, he looked solid. He looked calm and net. He, he looked, uh, I mean, commanding might be too, too strong of a word, but he's, he's a passionate guy, emotions. He, you know, you, you watch him, he makes those fist bumps, and he's all into the game. And, you know, I thought he played a hell of a game against Vancouver. It's just a, a quiet game. He didn't have to steal that one, but he had to make a few key saves at important times, and he just looked like he was in control. He wasn't thinking too much. He wasn't uh, panicking. He was just, he was in the game. And, and he was there when called upon. It was just a great team victory against Vancouver. But it was a good personal victory for him, too, simply just because it was one of those games the Flames, you know, should have won. They did want, they did, they did win. They won it by committee. And, and David Riddish, once again, he wasn't, uh, um, you know, he, he made the saves he needed to make. He made a few extra ones. And it was just, a, it was a good, solid game. And, you know, you fast forward to, to Dallas, and I thought he played exceptional there, too. Um, you know, they get down two nothing but they battled battled their way back and they went in a shootout and and you know he he wasn't uh you know and against that uh la too there the other night he wasn't supposed to get that start but he, he'd earned it with that that shutout against vancouver and so it's just good to see him get on a roll and then he goes to to vegas and doesn't play a strong game um probably could have had a couple of those and that's the way it goes there's a lot of energy in that in that vegas barn the flames haven't had a whole lot of luck playing there um you know, he he did well at the start, but as the game wore on, he, he let in some, some goals he obviously would have liked to have had back. And, and then, you know, he plays the game last night, and he's back to his regular self. It was a very, you know, it was kind of a, in my mind, it was a bit of a boring game, which is, uh, you know, probably the Flames wanted to play one. It's, you know, just simple hockey. It was smart hockey. They were in the right right spots at the right time. And, and David Richardson, once again, uh, there when called upon, didn't have to steal the game, but that's, there's a lot of hockey left in the season. They're going to need him down the stretch, but they need these early wins. They need him to be on top of his game. And I thought it was a good bounce-back game for him. That game against Vegas obviously wasn't didn't go the way he wanted it to go. But, you know, he, he parked that, put it out of his mind, showed up to play against Philly last night. I was at the game. And he just looked he looked comfortable. He didn't look – you know, a lot of times, too, when you're a goaltender, you get pulled or you don't play a great game, the, the, you know, the game before. It's kind of in your head right off the bat. You want to get in there and make some early saves and – and get your confidence rolling. And sometimes you can try too hard. You can sink your way out of, of saves or, or playing well, and it looks like you're just trying to get your feet wet for the first few minutes of the game. But I thought he did good from start to finish. He was just his regular self. He seemed, seemed calm in the net for, for Riddich. And, and uh, you know, I was really happy to see him have that, that bounce-back game where that's what you need to have if you're a starter. You, you have one bad game, you brush it off, and you play the next, you know, 10, 15 solid, and 
you work your way through it. You don't have a bad game. You have a bad period or two. You bounce back, and, and he's definitely going to get that opportunity from Coach Peters here to, to prove he's a number one guy. Probably don't see Cam Talbot again until the weekend. They've got another back-to-back Saturday, Sunday in L.A. and Anaheim. But your impressions of Cam Talbot in his first start against San Jose? Well, ideally it would have been good for him to start that game against L.A., a home game. L.A.'s not the, the strongest team in the league, but a, a good game for him where the Flames you know, should should win that game where he could come in, get a, get his routine set up and, and, and whatnot, and, and you know, just kind of give himself every chance to, to try to establish himself as, as a number one guy with the Calgary Flames because obviously it's, it's going to be a battle here. And Flames fans have seen for basically since Kippersoft left uh, uh, a tandem duo here that you know, it's one gets hot, the other one sits for a while, and you play one bad game, you switch it out, and, you know, that's all fine and good. But just from a personal standpoint, I like to see a goaltender take the reins and just roll with it. And, you know, so obviously Cam didn't get his start against Los Angeles because Riddick's played so well. And then he goes into a back-to-back there, plays a second night against San Jose. And it's a tough barn, too. There's a lot of energy there. They come out strong, and they got an early goal, and the Flames were once again down early. And, you know, say what you will about the first goal. It's one goal. He can brush it off. But, you know, I've played on, on quite a few new teams throughout my career. And, and, you know, that first game you play with a new team, you want it to go so well. You want to prove to people, you know, that, that, that you belong and that, that you are uh, exactly what the team needed and, and to be that guy. And, and now, um, you know, he plays that game and he played solid. He made that good breakaway uh, save there in, in the halfway point of the second period. And I felt then he had kind of kind of settled in. But, but by that point, I mean, the, the game was, was pretty much out of reach. And, and, you know, he would have obviously liked a better outcome. I'm sure the whole flames of the team would have liked a better outcome. But he didn't, didn't steal the show from me. He, didn't really, he had some chances to make some big saves, and he got beat, and that's what happens. But he's got to continue to persevere. He didn't obviously wow me, but he didn't really disappoint me either. It's a, it's a tough, tough, tough uh, game to play. First game on a back-to-back in San Jose. You can make a million excuses. I know Cam would never say that, but... But at the end of the day, he, he, he needs to be better. He, he is a better goaltender than that. And now he's got to sit here and wait for his next opportunity, which sucks. Uh, potentially another back-to-back where he gets a start, depending on how things unfold. And, and he's got to get his mind wrapped around it, that his opportunities are going to come when, you know, it's not an ideal night for him to, to, to start. It's going to be a, a junk game, and he's got to get his, his wheels going, and he's got to kind of park the ego a little bit, which I think he's a real down-to-earth humble guy and he's a professional and then you don't you don't make excuses for yourself you go out and play but you know him getting that first win will probably get a big monkey off his back and he'll be able to start going and and starting to start to push david with brent cron our nhl goaltending analyst joins us on wednesdays and also uh be tuned into boomer in the morning starting at next week his uh cron will be in with the with the boys for the next two weeks starting on monday um Speaking of the Sharks, this is a big year for Martin Jones. I actually didn't mind him in the game against the Flames on Sunday, but after a bad year last year for Jones and a bad start to this season, this is a big year for Mr. Jones, isn't it? Yeah, it's all about what have you done for me lately. I mean, it wasn't too long ago he was in the Stanley Cup final with the, with the team, and he, he played solid, and, and there was no questions in goal in San Jose. And Last year he really took a nosedive. He wasn't strong. I mean, a lot of... A lot of times, the San Jose was scoring a lot more goals to, to, to keep the obviously to win the game. They they weren't relying on their goaltending as much as they would have liked to. And you know, everybody was panicked too in the first round against Vegas. And and all of a sudden, Martin Jones had that I think it was that lights out game five or six where he made about 50, 55 odd saves and, and kind of turned it around. Where people were like, oh wow, he's 
he's still a good goalie. He can still do it. And it's just really one game. They win the series. And all of a sudden, nobody's really questioning him because he had that one brilliant game. And this season, he gets off to a, a terrible start as well. Him and both him and, and him and Aaron Dell. And, and he, right now, it just looks like he's battling his confidence. Depending on, on the teams he plays, it looks like there are just teams that are inside his head. His, his positioning, um, tracking the puck, uh, looking, uh, you know, obviously through 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 traffic, just just little things that he's just he's just off. He's not he he's not doing anything different. It's just it's 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 a mentality thing with him. You can tell it's a confidence issue where you can just see by the way he's 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 got a calm demeanor. Uh, he doesn't panic, but but what he does a lot too is he's a tall, lanky guy. He'll sit deep in his net, and and he's not a big time reactionary goaltender. He tries to get in the way, but you know even just taking a few. You know, inches back into his goal crease, he he's giving up space. He's he doesn't look overly big in the net when you watch him play. Uh, you know, he, and that's those are just little things that 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 confidence gives you when he's on. He just appears bigger. You can see it visually. You can see when a guy's confident, he's just bigger and he just looks calm. Right now, uh, Martin Jones seems like he's 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 nervous. He's he's kind of trapped in his own head. He's he's been in the league for quite quite a few years now, and. And, you know, this kind of happens to, to everybody where you go up and down. And, and he's hit a down spot now for about, well, for a year for sure. And, you know, he hasn't started this season off great. And the, the leashes are definitely short, um, especially for goaltenders too, because it is such a such an important position in the game that when your goaltender is off, you do notice uh, how much they make a difference. Just that one save at a key time can turn a game around. And, and he's got to find his way out of it. He's got to work through it and dig his way out and, and believe in himself, but those are all easy things to say and, and very hard things to do when you're, when you're kind of in that headspace. And I'm sure mm-hmm. he can do it, but I, I've lost a little bit of faith in him here uh, over the last year for sure. And finally, your thought on Mike Smith. i got to ask you about his fast start in Edmonton to the season. Yeah, it blows me away. He just, he just, it, it's the typical Smitty, right? It's, it's, he's got that chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove again. And when he's got something to prove, he's a dangerous man, you know, coming into the playoffs last season, he didn't have a great season by any stretch of the imagination and, and was uh, a liability for, 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 you know, a small period of it as well, where he just wasn't playing. We're letting in just poor, poor, poor goals and being bailed up by his team consistently. And, and then the playoffs come around and he's just, uh, he's a new man. He's focused. He's dialed in. He's Mr. Intensity. He's got something to prove. And now he's, He's in a position where he's reunited with his long-lost coach there, Dave Tippett, and he's had a lot of success under him in, in Phoenix. And even in Dallas when he first broke into the league, those two have been kind of attached at the hip, and it seems like it's given him a bit of a – I mean, it's too early to say a new lease on life. I still think he's going to fizzle out, and, and it's going to be pretty much down the middle between him and Koskinen or who's ever hot that night's going to get in. But because of Tippett's relationship with Smith and the experience they've had to, over the years, he's going to give – Smitty every every chance he can benefit of doubt every night because he knows what he's capable of. So so he's already got a cheerleader in his corner in Tippett. So if he does struggle, um, he's going to go right back in. Smitty's a better goaltender than Koskinen. And just overall, he does so many more things. And we've all know as watching him last year how well he handles the puck. And it's such a it's it's fun to watch. And the defensemen absolutely love you. But the main thing is is to keep the puck out of the net. And that's going to be uh, you know I think that's going to be a struggle for him throughout the year. But I'm. I'm happy for him for for a good start that he's had, and and he he looks good in there, and hopefully he can keep it going. Good stuff, Croner. Have a uh, good uh, couple weeks on the morning show. We'll be listening. Thanks for this today, pal. Thank you, guys. 
Brent Cron, our NHL goaltending analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Of course, uh, the fact that Croner did not say something rude at the end is because he was out for dinner, with, out for lunch, rather, with his parents. That's why he uh, was unable to say anything mean about Will as well. I know if you're just if you were alarmed, that's the reason why. Uh, Flames and Detroit Red Wings tomorrow. It is a seven o'clock faceoff right here on Sportsnet 960. Talk to the fan. <laughs> Speaking of yeah, we needed that just for good measure. Speaking of goaltending, uh, would expect it would be David Riddick getting the start once again. Okay, Steinberg Show live from Cowboys for the Eric Francis Pizza Pigout continues next. Sportsnet 960, the fan. This Steinberg Show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, Will, what are we talking about today? Well, Patty, you've kind of mentioned it a couple of times. You would uh, automatically assume David Riddick will get the start tomorrow against Detroit. He has looked good. Although there has been some talk that maybe he looked a little tired in that Vegas game last Saturday. This all kind of ties in, um, you know, the, A, I guess, when would you play Cam Talbot next? And B, going back to that Lindholm clip that we played, courtesy Jeff Ward, the associate coach of the Flames, he had mentioned Lindholm and Geo were tired at the end of last season. Do you see at any point this year the Flames resting players as we get towards February, March, April. I know it's a long ways away, but we've never really heard that from a coach before. It's true. And I wonder how you can, and, and you might not even be resting him, like sitting him out of game. Last maybe, minutes, right? Exactly. Maybe in games, even in January, when you're up 4 nothing after 40 minutes of play, maybe you dial back on, on those guys and really rest him. And I know that Gio's a horse and he likes to play. And Gaudreau and Monaghan, they want to be on the ice. All these guys want to play, but you're the coach. You've got to do what's best for them and what you think is best for your team. So I wonder if there's a little bit more in-game management this year that we see too. So that's something to keep an eye on. As for when Riddick gets, uh, rather when Talbot gets his next start, my guess is he goes against L.A. and Riddick goes against Anaheim. That's just my guess, but I really, I really don't know which way they're going to go about it. Uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see when they do give him that start because you're right, it, it certainly could be any of the next three games, and I would expect he does play in the next three at least for sure when it comes to Cam Talbot. Uh, game four, the ALCS postponed tonight due to weather, Patty, which means game four goes tomorrow, game five goes Friday, game six and seven go Saturday, Sunday in Houston. They lose the travel day. Now, Yankees benefiting from it today because they were going to have a bullpen-type day and they get a rest for those guys, and we'll start Masahiro Tanaka tomorrow in Game 4 on full rest. But no travel day. That changes things dramatically. Who does that favor in your eyes when it comes to the Yankees and the Astros? Well, there's a couple of things. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're to... 
say who's at favor from a no travel day perspective maybe houston because they'd be going back home but i I don't think that that plays into it in a big way what i think might be the bigger advantage here is the day off and what that means for the yankees because their bullpen has been taxed and that that is maybe more significant than the no travel day the fact that the yankees get an extra day off here to rest their bullpen they would have been extremely taxed going into today so that that might be the bigger and and more significant impact in this uh in this series and and so it's less about losing a travel day because i think that probably affects both teams pretty equally but i feel like the rest day today and where it falls helps the yankees more than it helps the astros finally a two nothing win yesterday over the americans at bemo field in toronto i know it's not the strongest roster from the americans i.e they had some players out including their best striker and jose altador uh and and certainly um, they're not the soccer powerhouse as they didn't even qualify for the last world cup but patty what does a win like do that do what does a win like that do for canadian soccer because we all know they're eyeing the world cup and they're trying to go in the front door as opposed to the back door yeah and and well first of all that's huge for them in terms of CONCACAF seeding that's just a huge win and the rankings points they get from that huge they've got two more games with the United States next month which will be huge in those games you expect the Americans to have a little bit more of a stacked roster but I still think more than anything that's a symbolic win and it has more importance from a mental standpoint the next two matches these two teams play Canada feels like they've got a chance and and this is the first big victory that we've seen since the I guess since the turnover started and since this started to become a program that you could believe in once again for the longest time it was a joke and you just knew that any big game they were going to play in no chance they're going to win here there's an opportunity for them to play a big game and they win it and for John Herdman and that squad it's their first kind of signature win so that to me is huge and and I I thought it was awesome last night and I'm I'm really interested to see what happens in the next two if this team can qualify for the even if they don't get in and qualify for the World Cup, if they can get into the hex, or if you're not aware what that means, the top six in CONCACAF will then play off in a hexagonal tournament. Um, if they can get into that, that's a huge step forward for, for Soccer Canada. So that was, that was a really important night last night. I was really happy to see it. Okay, bud. Okay, Pat, there you go. That are Those are your three burning questions, and that, that are your bad English. I don't believe that's how you're uh, supposed to speak, but I uh, speak for a living anyway. Uh, don't forget, later on this hockey season and into the new year, we're bringing it back for a third consecutive year. It is our Wild Rose Brewery Beer League broadcast. We're still securing a location. We're still securing a date. But once we have all that finalized, we'll let you know. But we, what we do know is we're doing it, and what we do know is we need two teams to play in our Beer League broadcast. This will be a night with lots of Wild Rose beer um perhaps some other alcoholic beverages you get to have your game a bunch of scrubs playing hockey and you get to have it broadcast on the radio yeah it's not bad uh so go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 enter your team in as to why you should be one of the two teams taking part in the beer league broadcast uh if you do end up being one of the two teams you're getting personalized jerseys thanks to our friends at tuxedo source for sports and we're doing a big time after party at the wild rose tap room brewing quality craft beer in calgary that fuels the hard 
hardworking Albertan Wild Rose Brewery, branded with character. Go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 for more information. Another game, another start for David Riddick last night. This is starting to become somewhat of a trend early on. That's how we're kicking off Pinder and Steinberg around the corner. That'll do it for the Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. Fifth Ave, VW.com.